Hi, and welcome to Parent Talk. I'm Nalene Frunk. Do you get frustrated because your kids won't obey? Well, at least not until they know you're serious, right? And by that time, they've pushed all the right buttons and you're frazzled. Can you tell this isn't new to me? Lots of parents feel this way, and that's why we can all feel at home. Welcome to Parent Talk, where together we'll find answers to common parenting dilemmas. Our host is Diane Moore, author and certified family life counselor. If you have to repeat yourself three or four times before your kids obey, you'll want to listen to today's program. Let's join the conversation now and find out how first-time obedience is possible by following three simple and very practical steps. Parents come in my office all the time saying, I can tell my child what to do, and I just keep telling them over and over and over. They don't listen to me anymore. And I say, that's your fault. Never say anything twice. Once you've told them once, and then you say the same thing the second time, you've told them the first time was meaningless. You've made yourself weak. We do that a lot as parents. We make ourselves weak. I tell parents, because they're very busy and it's a habit, to just say, for 30 days, I'm going to do this system. And it will, it will work. It, it will work if your child's 2. It'll work if your child's 12 or 14, 16. You just have to uh, do a three-step process. And the first step is you tell them that once. You tell them what to do. And be clear and direct. This is what I want you to do, okay? You're not yelling. Your tone is kind. You say what you mean. You need to clean your room. It's time to come to dinner. It is now time to go to bed. The first statement is is a statement. And it tells them that you're in charge. Do this. You don't say, would you please or would you mind doing this if you mean do it. When you ask them a question, would you mind doing this, it's like you're a sibling saying, I'm going to ask you a favor. And you set yourself up to not have respect in the home. We're not very good at authority in America. We want to be friends, and we don't really have a picture of authority. If we think of authority, we think about something that's mean, harsh, and cruel. It's just our culture. But if you understand the beauty of a pack leader is to give the little people under us security, then you can come at uh, this process with a kind heart, with, okay, I guess they need a parent. You know, I totally expect you not to obey. Doesn't mean I'm going to let you get away with it. It's just I'm going to be really consistent. So the first step, number one, is the statement. Number two is always a question. And the question is you're going to give them a choice. You're going to say, are you going to pick up your shoes or do you want me to? In my house, that caused a child to have a very strong negative emotion. They knew, we talked about it, that if I have to pick up your stuff, you might not get it back. And I don't say I keep it for 30 days because... Uh, that's too predictable. You might The child's going to be thinking, hmm, I'll do away with it for 30 days. You want it to be unpredictable. So sometime when I get a chance, we'll go out and find it where I've put it. I'm in charge of when you get it back. And I'm not really sure when that is. Or would you like to pick up your shoes or would you like to lose this privilege? Would you like to empty the dishwasher now or would you like to empty the dishwasher all week? I'd be happy to do it. But when mom empties it, her time's double time. And so you got to do double to make up for anything that I do. And it's just a given when you've talked about the structure of your home at a good time, they know that. So you don't have to say a lot of words in these moments. You're calm. See, this is what's wonderful. You stay calm and sweet. And if anybody's sweating, they are. There's magic powder you need to add at step two. 
Okay, it's very important. Step two is not going to work unless you have the magic powder. And here it is. Now, I hope no kids are listening. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You can ask questions too. Parent Talk's live call-in program is coming soon to Coov.com. You steer the conversation. You ask the questions. Parent Talk Live, coming soon to Coov.com. And now, here's Diane. There's magic powder you need to add at step two. Okay, it's very important. Step two is not going to work unless you have the magic powder. And here it is. Now, I hope no kids are listening. You got to not care whether they choose A or B. You have got to not care because if you care, you're inviting a child who's really interested in power and control to have a power struggle. So you don't say it like this. You better do this or you're not going to be able to play video games. You don't say it like that because secretly you want to let them do what they want to do. Or I'm not going to be able to let you. Please don't make me do that. Don't say that to kids. Actually say the words. I don't care what you choose. It's okay. All your body language needs to agree with what you're saying. And in the beginning, sometimes you're going to have to fake this. And it's not deceptive faking, even though you may feel differently. I'm going to put my feelings aside for the moment, and I'm going to say, I don't care what you choose. That's a form of self-control. So you got to make sure when you do a choice of A and B that you really don't care. Like you don't mind emptying the dishwasher because you know it's going to be done twice. Here's a really good way to set it up. Parents uh, call sometimes and say, what do you think about uh, allowance? And I'll say, well, it can be very useful in these situations of giving choices to kids, okay? I wouldn't give allowance for doing work around the house. I just think uh, that as part of this family, for me, it would be Club More, okay? You use your last name. In Club More, you get $5 a week, okay? Just for being in Club More. Now, part of Club More means, for us, you go to church with us on Sunday mornings. Okay, that you pick up your dirty clothes, that you do these services for the family and that you take care of your stuff and your responsibilities. That's just part of being club more. If you don't do your responsibilities, we can offer it to the family. We can bid out the job. So when you're giving a child a choice of A and B, did you want to do this chore or did you want me to bid it out? Now, if you have more than one child, you probably have one kid that's motivated more than the other and is going to make a haul. And it's going to come out richer. And that's just fine. If they want to pay the other child to do their chores, that is their nature, and go with it. It's fine. Everybody's happy. Step three is really easy because it's just the action. It happens. Whatever choice they make. (laughs) It's so easy. It's so easy. If you can do this for 30 days, just 30 days, uh, your, your kids are going to listen more. It's called the character trait of attentiveness. We talk a lot about obedience and how important it is, but there are three character traits, I believe, that are most important in the first seven years. It's obedience, truthfulness, and attentiveness. But attentiveness is very closely linked to obedience. And attentiveness is your ears are perked. How many times have you gone and called your children, they don't come and they don't come? They don't listen to me. That's what I hear. They don't listen to me. Well, you got to make your voice a little scary, okay? And I say that, and I know I'm pushing buttons out there, but uh, do you want your kids to respect you? Think about your child who gets their driver's license, and they're going out on the roads for the first time. Do you want them to fear police officers? 
Yes, you do. Okay, so in the beginning when you're teaching obedience, it's okay. Go for your children to have their ears perked. To listen for your voice because it means something. You hold a very important role for that child. How that child interfaces with you, how that child listens to you, how that child's connected to you impacts all their relationships through the rest of their life. It, it will impact their success in life with their boss and their, their uh, connectedness to their spouse and how they connect with God and how much they listen. So you put yourself aside. You say, this is important. If nothing else, just for the next 30 days, I'm going to experiment with this. Make it a new habit and watch my child become attentive to my words. And here's, here's the bottom line. When your children are in obedience mode and they're obeying, it may not feel as fun because you just want to go have fun with them. You want to forget all this stuff. But they are not. They're not. They're, when you're just having fun with them, a lot of times, especially the strong-willed kids, they're getting interested in power and control because they see, hmm, I can push buttons in mom. Hmm, I can work around the system. And their interest moves from working on relationship to working on power and control, getting more power and control. Their interest changes. Is that a conscious or subconscious thing very subconscious yeah for all people this isn't just children i mean you you if you could separate uh people's modes uh, if they're adults or children just say what mode are they working in they're working in one or two they're either motivated by relationship or life liberty and the pursuit of happiness or they're motivated by power and control and and they're exclusive of each other you can't work on relationship when you're dealing in power and control. It's almost like a currency. What, what are you looking for payoff here? The payoff for your child when life is not certain and boundaries are not strong and there's not a strong pack leader in the home, power and control get interesting. And when I have people come in my office when their homes are very broken, a lot of times we'll find a person whose all their motive is power and control. That's all they had growing up. And so they went for that. It's a nice second. You know, it works because you can control things uh, when they're painful. And relationship didn't work. So they went to that second uh, mode or currency, and it worked for them. Now we've got to convince them of this other world, which is messy. Relationships are messy. And it takes a lot of finesse and understanding how to work the ins and outs of it. They should have learned that as children, but they didn't. They were too busy uh, checking out the world of power and control. So the motive for the parent needs to be, it's not just about keeping my home uh, orderly, you know, or, or I want my kids to just obey me. It is training them to, to learn all the things they need to learn in childhood about problem-solving relationship stuff, working together and connecting. It seems like the parent that states and then asks that seems to fall in the category of that power and control rather than mm -hmm. the category of relationships. That's a brilliant observation. What do you think about that? It's obvious that many people misunderstand and misinterpret what is healthy in control and authority mm -hmm. as being unhealthy and 
too stringent and too controlling and mean. Yep. When a home has those two areas mm-hmm. so grayed, it's hard to define what mm-hmm. really truly is mean. And mm-hmm. I, just want, mm-hmm. I just want to be heard. I just want to be obeyed. And I just want my way. That's why I want my kids to obey. And then the children come back with their, it becomes a power struggle then. And if the kid has a stronger personality than you, they'll win. They'll win. You can't win in power and control because they have the trump card. Usually you got to go to work. You got to do the laundry. You got to do adult things. They don't have a lot to do. They got a lot more time to study you and figure out where your buttons are than you have time to study them, figure out where their buttons are. They're going to win. You're going to lose. And it can't be about win or lose. It's got to be about the the big strong pack leader. In fact, my my favorite parenting book besides my own, I have to say, my favorite parenting book is Be the Pack Leader by Caesar Milan. It's up there on my shelf. And I tell people, get that book. You can get it on audio. Listen to it. Get in your bloodstream. Because you're not going to understand uh, how to do this if you get into power and control mode to try to get your kids into relationship mode. You've got to, it's a, it's a matter of stepping back and looking at this little family that you've got, saying, what do they need? That's what's beautiful about the book, looking at the dog and going, what does the dog need? What does the dog need? It needs someone strong that walks before it, not behind it. I know the dog wants to run ahead, but don't let it because it will begin to get insecure. It needs the pack leader to lead. And you don't look at the dog all the time. If you look at the dog all the time, the dog thinks it's the center. And that might be wonderful and everything. The child-centered parenting does that. But then the child begins to think the world revolves around it. And the dog begins to think that. And since that's not true, the dog begins to get insecure. It's motive for a parent. The motive behind why you take control of the structure of your home is saying, this is good for my children. This is good for them. This is what they need. That way, when they lob stuff back at you, you're not offended. You're not threatened. There's just no ego there. You know you're the dirt they grow in. And you come back saying, I'm going to give you this because this is what you need. And I'm going to give you what you need. And sometimes even to my own detriment. It's okay. I'm not even expecting you to see it or thank me. (laughs) Until you're 35 and you have kids of your own. (laughs) I've got to set my own self aside, and sometimes that means I've got to set aside my desire to just let things go, because I really don't care. Oh, it's nice and sunny. You go, I'm good. I'm just going to let that slide. That's not what they need. They need you to be consistent, so you set yourself aside. I tell you what, parenting is more about self-control than anything else. And one of the hardest things is to just want to be friends with them, and get something coming back. If you put relationship first, or I should say friendship first, they'll take it hostage almost every time. You'd have a pretty extraordinary child not to take that hostage. If you're going to say, I really want my child to be my friend, and so I'll try to get them to listen to me, I'll try to get them to obey, but when the crunch comes, I really want them to like me, I'm going to soften the boundaries a little bit. A child, as soon as they sense that's going on, they'll say, I hate you, and you hate me, and I'm never going to let my kids be around you when I grow up, and all that. I did all that with my parents. That's how come I know that script. 
that's when a parent knows, okay, they need a message back that says, I get that you're frustrated, but this is what I have to do as a parent. I'm okay with that. I'm not upset about that. It's okay. I understand. You can unfriend me because you're the child. And I expect you to be a child. I expect you to be childish. Okay? But I'm not unfriending you. So always when you see a child, uh, they're always going to miss the bar. So you, you have an expectation of adulthood, really. That's what I find in parents. They have this expectation that the child's an adult. In the beginning, when a child is crawling, they don't know what no is. And we get all angry and upset because we say no and they keep crawling toward that dangerous thing. And we need to just know, say, this is training. This is training. So I will either pick up the child, put them in some sort of device they can't get out of for a few minutes, or I will pick up whatever they're going for, and that doesn't happen. So that in their mind, over time, they will get what no means. No means not happening. And then the day that that little one toddles towards something and you say no, and they stop, you should hear angels sing and say, I did good. And that's a good day. It's a rare day. And tomorrow's a training day again. It's training, training. And you're calm and you expect it. What happens when we, we expect perfection? We expect adulthood. And we're always harping on them. You know what they do when they grow up? They come to my office and they pay me money to tell me how critical you were of them. And they were raised by a critical parent. We don't even mean to be critical. Isn't that sad? One of the things that I've noticed is that the need that I have as a parent is I want them to obey for two reasons. Mm-hmm. So that I can have relief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like the binky in the baby's mouth yep. is really for the parent. <laughs> I so I get where you're going with this. I just wanted to stop, mm-hmm. and I don't know what else to do. Just stop. Mm-hmm. And if my kids could do what my parents expected me to do when I was that age, and I did, if I could just make it work that same way, all will be good. So two reasons is that I don't know any different because mm-hmm. my parents raised me that way, and I just want it to stop. I don't want to... What you're getting at is mm-hmm. that training ground, that teaching Oh, wait a minute. I can't live in this moment of success. Parents want that relief of, do Mm -hmm. I have to train every day? Well, this is what I hear from parents all the time. We'll put together what I call a FEMA plan, you know, where we we know there's reoccurring storms coming into their home, and we'll plan for one storm. They'll come in for a session, we'll plan that one storm, and then they'll come back and I'll say, how did it go? And they'll say, I, I hear it almost word for word. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You could be part of this conversation. Ask your own questions when Parent Talk goes live. Parent Talk Live, coming soon to Coob.com. And now, here's Diane. They'll come in for a session. We'll plan that one storm. And then they'll come back and I'll say, how did it go? And they'll say, I hear it almost word for word. It was really hard to do what we planned, but it was harder not to. So if you implement it, and the kids will settle. There's a reason there's sibling rivalry. There's a reason they don't do what they're told. You sense insecurity setting in or instability. Mm-hmm. 
they don't have a good sense that there's a good strong pack leader in the home. And this go you go in and out of this throughout your parenting because life gets busy and you have to have your antenna up and say, I think I need to make sure they know I'm firmly on the throne and everything's fine and they can go back to their lives. Just because you change the structure doesn't mean they're going to fall in line. Most of the time they don't. Be prepared for that. You're going to have to tweak things and, and expect it. You go, you go back to the drawing board. So, well, that didn't work. How can we tweak this with the child at a good time? The child's made the choice, so the child's got to be happy. And you're happy. You just have to make sure A and B are set up so that it's much more appealing for the child to choose A. That B is really not desirable. One of the things that I know parents struggle is the enforcement of the action. If a parent can't enforce... The first time, how is the consequence Mm -hmm. to the A or B choice, Mm -hmm. how is the one or the other actually going to happen? Yeah, nothing good happens. Parents don't realize how much power they have. They own the real estate. They own the hot water. They own everything. We just give indiscriminately to our children without understanding that they have to have some responsibility back. There's got to be a balance in the universe between what they get and what they, how they hold responsibility. So nothing good happens. They don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. Nothing good happens till that gets done. Does a parent have the authority to say, you're not going to eat until this chore is done? You have to be careful. I don't make food um, an issue. I would say there's no TV, there's no video. You know, we got to think in those terms probably better because those are um, probably better off without anyway. <laughs> I let it go. If, if the older a child is, especially seven and up, you can let things go, and it just piles up and it slams them, it hits them hard. Now you've got a heavy burden to bear. Um, as long as you're on top of it and you're not letting it slide uh, inside of you. But you're saying, okay, uh, you're going to work with me all weekend. You know, now you're my, you're my little servant. You got a lot of work, but I'm working side by side. Okay, if it gets too big of a chore, I've actually gone in with my children when they have let it build, and I'll say, I'll work with you as long as you work, I work. That's a really good way to to build um, uh, endurance in a child anyway for getting a job done. You know, for us, for uh, with the three kids, I don't know why, but we had a ton of socks and matching socks. You know, we'd let it go uh, for a while, and then I don't know where they all, why they all get in different washing machines. I don't get that, but um, you know, the person who had to do that, that was a big job, and so I'd say I'd, I'll work as long as you will work, and uh, so they were motivated. Got to figure out your kids, and then make sure that it works. So the action. The kid decides, I'll wash the dishes for the next week. Mm-hmm. But they don't wash it consistently. They don't do it by the time that they're told. It seems to me that a parent might have a bigger problem on their hand trying to monitor enforcing mm-hmm. the consequence. And parents work too hard. They they are using their brains to problem solve. And I say you need, one of the most wonderful parenting gifts you can give your children is to teach them to problem solve. So you just told me you have a problem. If your child's old enough, you know, if they can reason it at all, seven years old, 
then you go to them with the problem. And you say, here's my dilemma. The other day, whenever I said, do you want me to empty the dishwasher? And you didn't, or do the dishes, and you didn't. And, and you said, well, you're going to do them three more times, okay? And you agreed, and then you didn't. Now there's my dilemma. So how can we fix that? You dump it on their lap and you're sitting at the table. And what's really cool is if you can do this right before you're going to do something for them. You're going to take them somewhere to get something that they want. And then they're properly motivated to problem solve. And nothing good happens till we problem solve that. My best didn't work, so you come up with something. I grew up with spankings. Because mm-hmm. they were quick, swift, and everything was done. Mm-hmm. And so as a parent mm-hmm. that works outside the home, has three children, mm-hmm. every single one of them in a sport, mm-hmm. and some in two sports, the household gets very, very busy. So, of mm-hmm. course, the quick and easy swift solution mm-hmm. is so appealing to me. Does it work? I don't know because my husband, and I have to say me too, I agreed to let that form of discipline go mm. very early on in our marriage and mm-hmm. in our family. And so now I'm like, oh, if I could have just spanked mm-hmm. when they were young, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be having this problem. Well, it's not that effective for everything. I would say for the outright, outright defiance, you could say, do you want to do this? Do you want to turn that around or do you want to spank? You know, and it ought to work. If it doesn't work, Don't keep doing the same thing. Every time you do something over and over again, every time you do it again, you become weaker and weaker and weaker because it didn't work. And so you have to ask yourself, is this working? Whatever it is. And don't keep doing it. I have parents call me like, how do you feel about spanking? It's like, what'd you do? Did it work? Okay, if it worked, good. Usually they call because it's not working. So talk to the parent who has developed that level of screaming that, okay, if I just scream loud enough, if Mm -hmm. I just yell loud enough, they'll know I'm serious. It always escalates to where you have to do it higher and higher. And by the time they're adolescents, they'll win. They got the trump card. They got more time on their hands. They got more energy because you're tired. And uh, they'll win when it comes to that. If you're going to go into the power and control mode with them, you'll lose. Eventually you'll lose if you got a strong kid at all. What's better is for them to learn to respect your whispers, your quiet, quietness. It's very empowering. If the action part doesn't work well, it's because you've got to fix step one or two. It should be just that simple. Whatever the child chooses happens. So if the action part's not working well, the choice wasn't good. You come to the child and you say, you need to turn off the TV. The second time you interface with that child, you notice they don't do it. You say, would you like to turn it off? Or would you like me to? And you know, they know that if you turn it off, it's unplugged for 24 hours. And then that's it. The action is, let me know. I'm standing here. Okay, I don't mind. I'll go unplug it. And he better jump. What you want to see is a jumping child. (laughs) Quickly before you have to do it. Children may think that a parent is unreasonable in the response time. And you have to work with a child with that over time. Understand that that's something in training too. And a lot of times kids, especially kids with diagnosis or they're in the spectrum somewhere of ADD and uh, other diagnoses, they have a tough time with transitions. If you have a child with a tough time with transitions, Mm -hmm. 
you talk to them about it. You're gracious. You say, this is what I've noticed that sometimes when I call you, it's very hard for you to pull out of what you're concentrating on and then do something different. And I understand that's your nature, but my job is to train you for the world and that's not going to work very good whenever you're 35 at work. Okay, so what we're going to do is start you on a process to learning how to transition yourself, how to manage the brain you have, because we don't want to change that brain. We want to manage it. We're happy you have that brain because we need people in this world who can concentrate that deeply on a problem because we got a lot of problems in the world. Okay, always let your kid know you like exactly how they're made. Okay, you like exactly how they're made. You just go in and redeem that by saying, in the world, you're going to have to learn to manage that beautiful, incredible brain of yours. It's not going to fit everywhere, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, because we have this like cookie cutter world. Uh, and I'm going to help you shore those places up so we can keep that magnificent, magnifying glass brain you got. And so they feel like I've got this gift. Now I'm motivated to learn to manage it in the world. So for children like that, you would say, I'm going to give you this timer. And when it's time, I'm going to give you the five minute mark. You're going to have that timer and you're going to have it ticking and you're going to know I've got to begin to pull myself up out of this. Now in the beginning is five and then it moves to two. And then you move that to, I can be attentive. I can now pull myself up and out of my deep mm -hmm. concentration. Wow. That's grace. Really Meet them where they're at. Your kid's in a forest of childhood. You want them out of the forest. The deal is to get them up and out. you got to go into the forest and you got to find them exactly where they are, the kind of brain they have, how they think, how they're wired. Take them by the hand and walk them from where they are out to adulthood. That's a parent. See, it's more about parent control, self-control than it is about complicated but you know what that's why I want parent talk to survive and thrive is that I think it can just get in your bloodstream mm -hmm. and then you just do it you know what to do you don't have to think hard it's not that impossible of a job it's more about how your heart is and and if you didn't have that modeled for you it's it's sometimes really hard you need kind of a voice in your head and a way of thinking a picture of it it is a daunting thing to think, how am I going to change as a parent? The wall is so high to climb that many parents just mm -hmm. say, you know what, the consequences of not even trying seem so easy compared to climbing that, yeah. that wall. And as you're talking, I'm realizing, you know, just a constant daily nurturing of these attitudes, mm -hmm. of this type of conversation, seems to be truly half the battle. I know. Because it can be second nature to yeah. you. And you know, I have the same attitude toward parents as I have toward children. If you can just do one thing different, one thing different this week, just one thing different. And then next week, grab onto something else. And the next mm -hmm. week, grab onto something else. Mm -hmm. It's not about being a perfect parent. It's about being a good enough parent. Mm -hmm. If you can just be good enough, you can manage mm -hmm. anything and have impact mm -hmm. with your kids. The heart behind first-time obedience is that your children respect you and that respect is going to carry out to all their other relationships, how they respect their spouses, their bosses. It's going to be key to their future success in the world. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Parent Talk with Diane Moore. Were these three steps practical enough to be helpful? 
I hope the conversation has gotten you excited about implementing these steps. And remember, if you have any troubles with making these changes, you can always listen to the program again and refresh your memory. And hey, better yet, soon you're going to be able to interact with Diane personally when Parent Talk goes live. This is really exciting because you're going to be able to ask your own personal questions that'll address what's happening in your own home. And we need callers to make the program successful. So if I could ask you to tell your friends, that'll help spread the word. We'll provide updated information on couve.com about our launch date, but you can also email us at parenttalk at couve.com. If you have any questions or comments about today's program or have a suggestion about a topic you'd like Diane to cover, please don't be a stranger. Email us at parenttalk at couve.com. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, tell your friends about the program and join us next time for Parent Talk with Diane Moore. I'm Nalene Frank. Thanks for listening.